and welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we address issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, and too often ignored. Prostate cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Martin Wells, who following treatment for prostate cancer at the age of 53, has been a force of nature in supporting other men in their experiences with prostate cancer. He says, 14 years ago, when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer, I quickly learned that being a man gets in the way of being a man with prostate cancer. There were no support groups in East Lancashire for men and their partners with prostate cancer. So together with my urology nurse, we started a support group in East Lancashire and it, even now it's still going really, really well. What I also found was as a gay man, my needs weren't being met. And then I started two years after that with another guy, another support group called Out With Prostate Cancer. And leading on from that, I started a third group because I found we often don't have the language to talk about prostate cancer. So I started a group called Shaping Prostate Cancer Literacy to allow men to explore the language and literacy we need, not only to talk to ourselves about prostate cancer, but to talk to other people and to help other people talk to us about our prostate cancer journey. Mm, Martin, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to, to talk to you about all the wonderful work you're doing. Thank you, Claire. Blimey, that, that's a very busy kind of CV you've, <laughs> you've read out there. So thank well, you. Well, I, I just got it from a wonderful newspaper article that was telling the world all about what you're doing. And I think it, it was also in the context of some fundraising you did as well. So, you know, again, maybe we can we can talk a little bit about what's motivated you to, you to do all that. But it's it's really wonderful to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. Fire away. One of the things I really would like to start off with is is to ask you very directly that you know, as a man who happens to be gay, do you think that the language and the education and the behaviors around prostate cancer are focused on men who are heterosexual and that potentially it effectively excludes men who are gay? It's a really, really interesting question that. And I've thought about that a lot over the 14 years since I was diagnosed. And I think you mentioned it at the beginning. I'd come to see a phrase which I find very powerful, and that is being a man gets in the way of being a man with prostate cancer. And I think I, I can slip in other words, being a gay man gets in the way of being a gay man with prostate cancer or being a, a man who's got some psychosexual problems, whether I'm straight or not, gets in the way, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So what I've seen is, I don't think as a human being, I know how to be seen out there. And it's easy for me to slip into the labels bit. You know, I'm a gay man, therefore I'm, I'm kind of like been in a minority and you need to look at me. It's like, I'm a man, I haven't got a clue how to communicate where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you think that, that there's a lack of understanding about what it is to be gay and the psychosexual damage of having prostate cancer? Do you think this is felt more deeply within the gay community than well, elsewhere? Well, isn't that interesting? I don't feel qualified enough to talk on behalf of the gay community. Right, I, okay. I, you know, it, it, for me, I feel as though I'm a man and I happen to be gay whatever that means. I've never called myself a gay man. Okay, I might have slipped that in because it's easier in a conversation, but I'm a man and I happen to be gay. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen is on these Mardi Gras episodes in the summertime where there are certain men, gay men, bisexual men, whatever, out there 
parading themselves in a particular, probably a very sexualized way, it's like, well, that's not me. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing the general public sees. Mm -hmm. And it's like a John Inman, Larry Grayson, all that kind of stereotyping. And it's like, I don't think of sex 100% of the time. I'm not running around in very brief leather thongs, but that's kind of <laughs> mincing, you know. My impression is people out there think what being a gay man is all about is sex and being outrageous. And it's like, no, I'm just like anybody else. Okay. But, um, you know, I think in a, in a previous conversation, we spoke a bit about how even some of the psychosexual aspects to having prostate cancer being treated for prostate cancer and, and certainly recovering from it, you think uh, perhaps may exclude non-heterosexual men? Is that is that fair? Or do you want to expand on that? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I know 14 years ago, the reason why I kind of got on a bit of a soapbox for starting the support groups, particularly the second one out with prostate cancer, that was because almost all the literature then, and things have moved on because of what we did, it was you bring your wife. It wasn't bring your partner. It yeah. was, would, you, mm. would your wife like to come along? And, and I, well, A, assuming someone was married, whether they're straight or whatever. I mean, there are single people who are straight, whatever that means, who've got prostate cancer. So for me, it was like, can can you please change your literature a little bit? And what mm -hmm. about trans? And what about trans women? How does a logo which represents a man who's got prostate cancer, gay or straight, represent a trans woman mm. who might have prostate cancer? Hmm. Now there's a predicament for a, a graphic artist. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, very much so. But so so your focus on the, the literature and literacy, I think, is in the, the name of your um, title of your other group. Uh, can you talk a little bit about more more about that and, and even more generally about the disease itself? And, you know, one of the things I'm particularly interested in is, is the sort of carrots or sticks approaches to prevention and to getting yourself checked, because often we see that many promotion cam campaigns around prostate cancer are around, you know, sort of the or else message as opposed to, you know, do this because your quality of life can be preserved, which of course leads itself to the conversations around new treatments. What, what do you think about that and about the, the messaging and the, the literacy that you saw 14 years ago and what you see now? It is, I, I think there's a fundamental thing which has been overlooked here. And I go back to that phrase, being a man gets in the way of being a man with prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. Intellectually, I know, and I think most people know they ought to talk holistically better with a better quality whatever that means with their health professional but there's something in a man's dna which prevents them from doing that and that hasn't been tackled and also not only a patient or a person who's got prostate cancer what about health professionals that's assuming a health professional knows perfectly how to handle somebody who doesn't know how to talk about uh, that this thing, which I think is a sexual cancer, you know, like penile cancer, testicular cancer, um, that kind of cancer is one of those taboo subjects, vulvar cancer, you know, in women and, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, better not mention the word vulva or penis or testicles. That's definitely a no-go area. Mm. So everyone's kind of scared of exploring that. 
And because of that, nobody has got a literacy, a language, a lexicon mm-hmm. on how to talk about it. Mm. Do, do you think that it's, it's a combination of the messaging itself or also the, the medium? So, for example, the fact that we have so many more media to, to get these messages out, um, you know, whether it's it's their traditional Facebook groups or YouTube videos. But now we have things like TikTok. We have so many other ways of messaging to people. Do you think that that's something um, that we all ought to be focusing on a little bit more and to to get, you know improve this this literacy so that men can engage with their partners and they can also engage in relationships with their own healthcare providers? You see, my 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 biggest competitor or if I'm running a support group, the biggest competitor is McDonald's, is Amazon, <laughs> is Curry's. You know, they they have departments and whole teams of people working on marketing strategies, cartooning, uh, copywriting, on how to get a message across within five to ten seconds max, and that might have cost hundreds of thousands of pounds. And there's poor old little me with a computer and some imagination, but I haven't, I haven't got the crafting skills to put something across. Effort, what looks effortless, but has taken many, many man person hours to mm-hmm. actually hone. Now, that's what's missing. So if somebody says, oh, why don't you read this pamphlet of 70 pages? That will help you get to grips with it. It's like, well, McDonald's don't do that. Mm. Mm. They they know how to get me in the store to get the money out of my pocket. And I'm not saying it's about money. What I'm mm. saying is, it's like, well, how does somebody, obviously, we're in a, an audio podcast here. But when I was having chemotherapy, before I had it, the health professional was saying, you'll probably get quite fatigued, actually, Martin, at some point. And it's like, oh, yeah, so I'll get a bit tired. And I said, no, 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 no. Fatigue and tiredness are not the same. Well, in my innocence, I thought they were. When fatigue hit me, I knew it wasn't being tired. So when people were talking to me, I had to find a way of communicating. Now, I've got in front of me a little toy I remember from being a kid. And it's a little giraffe, and it's got lots of little beads in it. And when I press the button underneath, it relaxes the little cotton threads in it. And this little uh, giraffe collapses instantly. So when I say now to people, this is what fatigue looks like, this little <laughs> giraffe collapses immediately and they go, oh, yeah, right, I get mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. where are the people who are doing this kind of communication using little assets like that to get the message across? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you seen any examples of, you know, where it's being done well or where it's showing, you know, um, travel in the right I, direction? I have. On my table, (laughs) because because I'll just knock it on the. I've got in front of me a uh, a coke, a plastic coke bottle, and I've taken the label off, and I've printed three replacement labels, and on it, one label says libido classic, (laughs) and another label says libido light, Mm -hmm. and the third label says libido zero. And it took me a long time to think of this because at the moment, the treatment I'm on, I've got no libido. Now, I didn't know what that was like when I had a libido. Mm -hmm. Now I know what it's like. So 
now when I'm describing things to people, I'm saying, which Coke bottle are you picking up? Mm -hmm. Are you picking up the libido classic where you were fully sexualized or have you still got some libido or are you totally lacking libido? Now, that that kind of thing to me is really easy to pick up, but it takes Mm -hmm. a lot of effort Mm -hmm. to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And also, I guess, you know, you've spoken to so many men over the years with your groups that you sort of know how they might respond. Definitely. And I see in their eyes, I see in their facial expressions, that frustration of, I kind of know there's something I want to communicate with you, but I just can't put it into words. Mm -hmm. I think now there's enough resources out there, enough charities with prostate cancer to support men on their initial journey. But when they get past that reptilian brain of, oh, my God, I'm going to die and I can't get that out of my head, so I'm not available to any other information. When they get past that stage, I think there's now a big opportunity for the graphic designers, the cartoonists, the copywriters to invent ways of communicating what the medical profession communicate in very, very boring, good medical ways. Mm, Or even frightening ways sometimes. Indeed. Mm, mm. I mean, that's that's really important stuff. And, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned charities or the research organizations, you know, who are constantly fundraising, as you know, because you've done fundraising on their behalf. But, you know, resources tend, as you would expect, to go into research, you know. Um, And so it would be interesting to sort of see an initiative around, um, you know, better communication and, and better messaging so that men overall have a better experience while they have to endure prostate cancer. Exactly. It, uh, another thing I've got in front of me, and I bought this 14 years ago. In fact, I've got three versions of it. Uh, I'll, I'll just do a, a little bit of an audio uh, you know, noise so you know I've got it in my hand. It's a, it's a plastic uh, version of the urinary system of a man. And it's got a <laughs> penis, and it's got a bladder, and it's got uh, a rectum and a prostate. And I can pull this apart and I can see if a medical professional inserted their finger up my bottom, I could say, ah, that, so that's why you could feel my prostate. Ah, mm. that's why. I have never, ever seen this model. And it's, and it's available from medical schools. I've never, ever seen this model in any urologist's office. Mm. And, I've got a mo- and I've got it. Well, how come urology? Well, perhaps they have got it, but they've hidden it in the drawer. I don't know. It might be too scary for people. All right. Even in primary care situations, you know, a GP surgery. Exactly. Or a chart mm-hmm. or, or, or I don't know. But perhaps as a GP, they might have to have 100 charts, the heart, the liver, the kidney, yeah, the brain, yeah. you know, the yeah. ear. The... Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you raise a really important point about you know, how, how, how men go through this experience and how messaging and, and different media to do that can really improve their situation and possibly, you know, their outcomes eventually. And there is an interesting fact there also, Claire, because my older brother has got prostate cancer and his approach to his, what I call his journey and my journey, some people don't like that word journey, but it connects with me. Mm-hmm. To- totally different. Martin, I don't want to know. I just, I just want him to chop it out and I want to get on with my life. Now, for me, it's like, excuse me, but what are you going to chop out? How are you going to chop it out? What's going to happen when you do chop it out? Now, I want lots of information. My older brother 
He doesn't want lots of information. So I'm not saying what I want is what everybody else wants. Mm-hmm. I, I've got this little phrase, uh, another little phrase, I call it, is it on the trolley? Mm-hmm. So for instance, there should be in front of me a whole raft, a smorgasbord of help and assistance. Mm-hmm. And I can look at it and go, oh, can I have a little bit of that, please? Oh, yeah. Can you give me a little bit of that as well? A little bit of training on that and a little mm-hmm. bit of info on that. Whereas mm-hmm. my other, my older brother would say, take it away. I just don't want to have any of it. Yeah, TMI. Yeah, how interesting. People are very different in how they seek information, process it. I mean, which actually leads me to something else we've talked about, which is, you know, getting a little bit more sort of, I don't know, clinical here. It would seem that the 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 goal of all men would be to have, you know, early diagnosis, which would then allow non-invasive procedures that would maintain the quality of life and some of the things we've just been discussing. And why do you think this doesn't happen? Why do you think that you know, it always seems to be a sort of an either or. Claire, I go back to that phrase I, with the, with COVID. This is so important over the last, for over the last two years. Being a man gets in the way of being a man with prostate cancer, and with COVID, that has assisted that phrase no end. Because oh look, I I I, I don't need to go to the doctor. They're too busy with COVID. If a lot of men can find an excuse not to go to their GP Mm. to get tested. And when I say tested, there is a bit of controversy about getting tested. What I mean is getting some form of check, if Mm -hmm. I could call it that, you know, Mm -hmm. digital rectal examination. Just because my PSA is high from a blood test, that doesn't necessarily mean I got prostate cancer mm-hmm. and necessarily just because it's normal doesn't mean I haven't uh, but you know that with other tests uh, is the best we've got at the moment mm-hmm. but but what I've seen is a lot of men get to the doctor because their partner has got a bit pissed off with them saying bloody you're up in the night three times again get to your get to the GP get to the doctors mm-hmm. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. but look at smoking Look how Mm -hmm. long it took with campaigns and money to get people to try and give up smoking. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a a little white stick. People stick in their mouth. So if that's not, you know, so obvious and how difficult that is to change behavior, I think men have this built-in DNA not to be seen to be weak. And mm. going to the doctor is a confession of there's something wrong with me and I kind of don't want to know. Hmm. And so what would be your message then to our listeners about, um, about that, about overcoming that or recognizing it or doing something about it? I would say to someone, be courageous to witness that going on inside yourself and push that to one side pick up your phone and book your appointment. (laughs) It's not an exercise where you have to strip off naked and run through the street and burn a hundred pounds. And, you know, it's a very difficult, painful procedure. It's a little bit of blood and it's a good conversation with a good health professional. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think on that note, I think we'll draw this to a close, but, um, 
you've given some some very powerful insights and I want to thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Claire. You can tell I'm energized by this kind of conversation. So thank you. Well, we'll do it again. I mean, I think that there's there's a lot more to talk about, but I think you've been extremely helpful and certainly the message about, you know, everybody's different and um, you really just have to go out there and take some control. Thanks, Claire. Anyway, thank you so much. A transcript of this interview and links to more information on Martin and his support groups are available in the program notes on our website, along with further information on diagnostics and treatment for prostate cancer, as well as additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.